Did you know that eating flavanol-rich dark chocolate may be a promising tool for managing cognitive decline? Studies from Columbia and other research centers show the real cognitive benefits of daily cocoa flavanol consumption. Benefits like improvements in executive cognitive function, processing speed, working memory, and mood were observed in studies where participants consumed 500 to 900 milligrams of cocoa flavanols daily. I searched high and low for cocoa products that deliver meaningful amounts of healthful flavanols with great flavor and minimal sugar. I'm thrilled to have found Flava Naturals. Flava Naturals performance dark chocolate bars and cocoa powder deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium, high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to help promote healthy brain function. I use it every day. To order, just go to flavanaturals.com. That's flavanaturals.com. There, you can read about the science behind cocoa flavanols and get great recipes too. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, we're going to be talking about nasal health with Nathan Jones. He's CEO and founder of Clear Inc. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. The X stands for xylitol, which is an exciting ingredient that uh, we've talked about in the past as uh, a potent uh, antimicrobial and something that can really help rescue our mucous membranes. Uh, uh, Nate is uh, a serial entrepreneur, uh, and he has uh, been the originator of Clear, the company, to bring to the fore in commercial applications the discovery of his dad, Dr. Lon Jones, who developed a xylitol nasal spray to treat his patients who had persistent upper respiratory infections. And uh, after successfully treating uh, ear infections in his family, he soon began dispensing the solutions to his patients with ear, nose, and throat issues. The results were outstanding. And uh, taking advantage of that research, uh, Nate Jones Founded Clear in order to improve lives by spreading the message of proactive health and uh, preventive medicine when it comes to the respiratory tract. Uh, so, Nate, it's a pleasure having you back on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's my pleasure as well. Uh, okay, so uh, there, there's several things that uh, I want to catch up on because, uh, you know, I think people know the basic story about uh, uh, CLEAR and its benefits uh, as regards, you know, two areas of the body in particular, uh, oral health and nasal health. Could, could you just uh, summarize for some of our listeners who are less familiar with that, and then we can get into uh, some of the new developments, because there's always new developments on the research front. You shared a couple of exciting papers with me. Uh, there's also uh, some news on the, well, frankly, the political front, because uh, there's been a lot of suppression about good information about natural uh, support for the immune system. So, you know, that's really the purpose of this program. But you set the stage for a discussion, please, once again. So really what we do is I got into this business in 2000 because my dad, as you mentioned, had started using a nasal spray with this xylitol sugar in it. And 
I started a company to take that product out to the market. But what the xylitol does is what we knew in, in 1998 is that xylitol, the sugar molecule, was actually blocking the ability of pathogenic bacteria, strep pneumo, age flu, MCAT. We found out later it also blocks staph, but it blocks bacterial adhesion and it stops it from adhering to the tissue. And so if it can't adhere to the tissue, it's much more difficult for it to make you sick. And the concept behind it is it's kind of like soap. It blocks it, it washes it away. And so I got into that selling this nasal spray. Then we started having all of our customers saying, well, I'm buying xylitol. Why aren't you having gum? Why aren't you having mints? And the biggest body of science behind the utilization of xylitol is actually they've known since 1969 is when the first study was published that xylitol actually helps prevent tooth decay. And it does it in a different way than practically anything else that people use on the market. Because what, you know, if you're using fluoride or tooth, if you're using toothpaste that doesn't have fluoride, what you're doing is physically knocking down biofilms and, and removing um, bacteria. What you're doing if you're using fluoride, you're just remineralizing the teeth. And what xylitol does is it actually gets rid of the bacteria that are creating the acid. And so they have some really good studies where they actually went and, and just using gum, they changed the microbiome. And the kids that win these studies, even eight, nine years after the study was finished, they were still having almost 80% pure uh, cavities. Right. And, and I which think is that phenomenal. from what I recall, it was actually uh, the basis for a major uh, dental health program in Finland, uh, which uh, went from being one of the worst countries in uh, Europe in terms of overall dental statistics and, you know, the need for fillings and the need for uh, tooth extractions uh, to, to one of the best. You know, they simply... Because it was a small country, they mobilized the country. They gave a lot of uh, xylitol uh, products to the school children, and, and it really turned things around. They, they they did do that, and I have been trying for twenty years to get our public health officials here in the U.S. to do the same thing. Because if you look at the numbers, what it would cost is about is about twenty five dollars per child per year to supply them with enough product to chew gum every morning when they come to school, after lunch, and before they go home, just on the days in school. And you only have to do it for three or four years in order to change that microbiome and have that lasting and durable protection. But And, and so you're talking about something that costs $75 to $100 per kid over their lifetime. And yet our government, I mean, that's less than the cost to fill one cavity. But yet our government won't do it because our government, our public health officials are so wrapped up and they're so embroiled with, we've got to use drugs, we've got to use pharmaceuticals, mm -hmm. that yep. they won't even look at things that, that are better and more economical. It's a treatment paradigm and, and not so much a prevention paradigm. We might mention that uh, the the uh, dental products uh, made by Clear, the company Clear, uh, go under the rubric of spry that's the uh, branding, Spry Dental Products. And so, uh, you know, if it's a really small kid, you know, kids can't chew gum until a certain age. You know, they like to chew gum, you know, when maybe they're in elementary school. Uh, but toddlers, you know, not a great idea. Uh, so that uh, what you can do is you can actually uh, give them these little uh, pastilles uh, to suck on. Uh, when it comes to uh, nasal health, it's the clear nasal products. Uh, we're going to focus on those today. Um, 
so what's the story there? They they block bacterial adhesion. Uh, they inhibit the bacteria in a way similar to the way that they inhibit the bacteria in the mouth. So what, what's the secret sauce? That's exactly what it does. So when, the, so when my dad, who is a physician, um, in, in 1998, he started querying on PubMed how to prevent ear infections. And what kept coming up was actually a bunch of dental research studies because when they were doing the research looking at how xylitol prevents tooth decay, all the data these dentists were, were collecting um, in the footnotes of these studies was, hey, these kids are also getting 42% fewer respiratory infections. And my dad was like, what? What's going on? But it's dentists. And the dentists, they didn't care about what was happening in the nose. They didn't have to care about the respiratory infections. And before that, doctors, physicians didn't really read a lot of dental journals, and dentists didn't really read a lot of physicians' journals. But my dad started started looking at that, and then there was a paper that came out in, uh, I want to say, the Journal of Clinical Virology, um, where they showed that what xylitol is doing is it's blocking the ability of the bacteria to hear him to the tissue. And my dad said, well, oh, if it works that way, then I should just put it in a spray and spray it up their nose because ear infections start in the nose. They go right. through the eustachian tube. And so my dad put that into a saline spray, started utilizing it, and the kids stopped getting sick. He started using it on older kids in his practice, kids that had allergies, kids that had asthma, people are coming in and getting allergy shots every couple of weeks. And within a couple of weeks, most of these people, all of the people that actually use a nasal spray were off of their meds. They weren't coming in for allergy shots. They stopped having these chronic infections. And because what the xylitol does is it actually helps break up biofilms, which if you have a chronic respiratory infection, probably there's a biofilm involved somewhere. And, and the remarkable thing is that because of the intercommunication uh, between uh, the ears and the mouth, you know, via the eustachian tubes, uh, that uh, in some studies there was a reduction in ear infections in children who were simply made to chew the gum. Uh, so because there's that, uh, you know, we tend to divvy up the body between specialties. You know, you got the oral medicine folks, the dentists on one hand, and then you've got the ENT doctors on the other hand. And it's only a few millimeters that you know, separate the two systems. Yes. And in fact, I'm actually speaking at the Utah Dental meeting in, a, um, in two weeks, and I'm speaking at a holistic dental meeting. And what I'm speaking at these, at these dental meetings about is that hygienists, because dentists have hygienists to help, help, uh, educate the people and, and do a lot of the work on the hygiene side. And then the dentist comes in and does the drilling and the filling and the mechanical part of it. ENTs, they should have a hygienist. Yes. Good concept. In there working with them. Wow. That's and so concept. I'm actually speaking, but I'm, I'm actually speaking and bringing this to the point is that the hygienists that are working in the dental office, they should be expanding what they're learning about to nasal hygiene. I don't know that having a, a respiratory hygienist in every ENT office is warranted, but if you're going into the dentist twice a year or once a year, um, having a dental hygienist that is not just a dental hygienist but are also a respiratory hygienist would probably be very helpful. Yeah, that's a, it's a great concept for, you know, a physician extender and a, and a paraprofessional because, you know, busy physicians sometimes, uh, you know, are running from patient to patient and they just don't have the time to do that important education or to do minor procedures, you know, perhaps things like, uh, you know, the ear cleaning fairly routine uh, that might be performed by a paraprofessional in, a, in an office. Um, 
you sent me so always interesting in in talking with you you know we sort of review uh, the basic concept here, and that's a concept that's uh, sort of embedded in the early, in the experience of uh, your dad and, and the early, in the late 90s and the early 2000s. But the science keeps marching along. And I think uh, one uh, vastly underexploited area in relationship to our fight against viruses, and, you know, this is extremely timely because of COVID, uh, is the role of uh, nasal prophylaxis. And you, you sent me a couple of studies. Um, always there's something new. This is from uh, late 2022, I think, after the last time we talked. Uh, it's from the Journal of Clinical Virology. Well, you know, that's pretty, pretty mainstream. Evaluating the efficacy and safety of a novel prophylactic nasal spray in the prevention of SARS-CoV-2 infection, a multicenter double-blind placebo-controlled randomized trial. Um, help us... Help interpret this for our, our listening audience. What are the implications of this study? Well, the implications of that study is that what there what that study showed is uh, so. First of all, that study was done by a group in the UK, and what they had in the nasal spray that they used was xylitol, and they used clove oil as their virucidal agent. And so it's it's a product that's extremely similar to our product, the clear nasal spray that we've been out there using for twenty five years now. Um, it's just using a different virucidal agent. But what you're doing there is you're using the xylitol to block viral adhesion, and you're using a virucidal agent, um, clove oil or grapefruit seed extract, to to destroy the virus. And what that study was, they, it was multi-centered. It was two hospitals, and they were hospital workers who used the nasal spray every eight hours. Mm -hmm. Three times so the, a day. These were folks who were exposed. And, this is in the middle of the pandemic when people were highly uh, exposed, right? Well, it's better than that because it wasn't just during the pandemic. It was during the Delta wave okay. in India. Oh, okay. So arguably the deadliest wave at the deadliest place on the planet. Wow. All right. And what they did is they used, they compared it, the placebo was a saline. And we already know from multiple studies that just using saline, it had helps somewhat. Uh, no question. There's yeah. a benefit. So, in effect, you know, the, the the placebo could have been do nothing, you know, have them read an educational pamphlet you know, or something like that. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that that's one of the things that frustrates me when we do research is the, the government doesn't let you have a true control. Yeah. You always have to have a placebo control. Yeah, yeah. And if your placebo is already working and doing something, right. then you're actually not getting the real benefit. Right. That, that, that's and that's a little so, bit like, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, there's been some studies that show that fish oil is not that great, and the, the placebo that they use is olive oil capsules. And when you use olive oil, <laughs> you give olive oil to people, that's pretty helpful too. So the fish oil has to be a, a heck of a lot better statistically than the olive oil in terms of prevention of cardiovascular disease. I think that that's a suitable uh, analogy there. That's a very good analogy. But so... What this did, the people that used the xylitol nasal spray, it reduced the incidence of COVID by 62% above Oof. the saline. Oof, wow. That okay. is impressive. So, if, so even if you said utilizing a saline, pick a, pick a low number. I mean, you have the studies where they did irrigation after they had COVID, and there's a multiple studies of these, and every single one of the people that were in the study, none of them were ever hospitalized. So it's pretty effective. 
but yet now you're taking and adding xylitol to it and you're making it 62% more effective than what the saline was. Mm -hmm. So you could probably hazard a guess and say that it's 80 to 85% effective at reducing, Hmm. at reducing transmission of COVID. Mm. Wow. But even at 62%, you'd be, you'd be a little, uh, you know, crazy not to utilize it if you're in that kind of an environment. And what, but the other thing, and I, and I think that we sent you a, another study, another paper that yes. came out of Stanford. Yes, I have that. Where they were actually right. looking. And, uh, and what they were looking Stan- at. The headline study. here is, excuse me, is Stanford Medicine scientists pinpoint COVID-19 viruses entry and exit ports inside our noses. So this is more like looking at how the virus uh, gets a hold of the epithelial tissue and begins to exert its mischief, Right. Correct. And and what it explains in there is something that we have been saying for about bacteria for 23 years now. And what we've been saying about a variety of viruses for three years now, because what we understand is that how the nasal system works, how it cleans it, how you have mucus, airway surface, all these things that when you breathe something in and it gets stuck in your snot, it's not like you're infected in 30 seconds. It takes a while for it to get through the mucosal layer, dig down into the tissue. And what these guys pointed out and said in this paper is that if you had a nasal spray, a compound in a nasal spray that could block adhesion or destroy the virus or both, that utilizing a nasal spray would be very efficacious. And it would be efficacious to the point in there. They actually refer to it as you could do it as late as the next day, Mm -hmm. 24 hours after. And it would still be after. They compared it to the day after pill or the morning wow. after pill. Wow. You know, so you, and it would still what, be efficacious. What, what you're saying is inspiring me. I'm, you know, I'm going to be getting on a plane, crowded plane, in a couple of days. Uh, and I'm going to make sure, <laughs> I'm really going to doubly make sure that I use my uh, uh, clear nasal spray uh, before, during, and after. Um, practically speaking, uh, how would that work? Uh, I mean, do you have to spray incessantly, you know, uh, eight, ten times a day? Or, you know, what's the sweet spot in terms of offering potential benefits? Well, so that's that's a a, a variable moving target. Yeah. Because it's going to depend on each and every person. Because what it depends on is how fast your mucosal, uh, your mucociliary clearance cycle is going. And Mm-hmm. There's some papers that say it's four hours. There's some papers that say it's eight hours. These people in Stanford use the eight-hour mm-hmm. um, number, which is why they said use it every eight hours. The people in India, they used it, the nasal spray every eight hours. What we have historically said prior to COVID is for the first couple of weeks that you're using it, or if you're working in a hospital or a school or you're exposed to a lot of stuff, use it every four, five, six hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, more than that, it's probably not going to be that benefit. You know, you're not adding any benefit by using it every hour mm-hmm. because you're going to have in your snot, in your mucus, you're going to have all those compounds that are there, that are that are doing the job, that are blocking adhesion and destroying. And speaking of snot. So what we've always oh, – yes, go ahead. Speaking of snot, there is actually something that – it's a clever acronym in the field of respiratory medicine called the SNOT score uh, it's, it's a little bit like the Bristol stools, uh, you know, table, you know, in terms of optimal, uh, stool, uh, consistency and color. 
It's the snot score. And there actually is such a thing. And they actually use that as a way to evaluate the e efficacy of different types of therapies. How does that apply to uh, CLEAR? Um, well, what we do know is that in the studies where they've used the SNOT score, um, does, you, it, does it stand for clear, something? Does it does SNOT stand? For it's it stands for sinonasal outcome test. Cool. And you have a SNOT <laughs> twenty. You have different different studies will have a different number behind it because what it is is they have, and I'm trying to remember if it's a one to ten or if it's a one to five. Mm -hmm. But they you come in and if you're in a research study. Then they have a bunch of questions, and if it's a SNOT 10, there's going to be 10 questions. If it's not 20, oh, it has okay. 20. It's not 25, there's 25 questions, and they're all about the quality of life. Mm -hmm. And the studies that have been done with where they're comparing xylitol nasal sprays to saline nasal sprays, the xylitol nasal sprays reduce the, the SNOT score. You mm -hmm. want the lowest score possible. Okay. Um, but they reduce the SNOT score by almost 25% over the saline. Mm-hmm. Which again is is you know a good thing. So th this is a really interesting concept. Once let me just reiterate, <laughs> they actually use the analogy of the morning after pill uh, in the Stanford study, I and mean, that's the potential uh, here. Is that uh, you know say you have an exposure, and I think our exposures are ubiquitous these days. You know, vaccinated or not. Uh, that uh, there is the potential, uh, there's a window of opportunity where before the virus uh, embeds itself in the uh, nasal mucosa and uh, adheres to the epithelial cells and begins that process of hijacking our cellular machinery, that we can get in there and prevent the virus from replicating and sending spike protein particles and, and uh, viral uh, clones throughout your body. That's that's exactly how I read it too. Yeah. And but I want to I want to make sure that we're that we're making it you know crystal clear here. This is not just about COVID, right? Because we know that it works against RSV. We mm -hmm. know that it works against H one N one. What we know also is that it has no effect on rhinoviruses. Okay, interesting. And so and so it's you know the 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 rhinovirus is a different kind of virus. We know that it has a little bit of an effect on adenoviruses. Um, and so, and we've actually done studies where we've taken different sugar molecules and we know that different sugar molecules work better on H1N1 than xylitol does. If you mm -hmm. use erythritol in a nasal spray, mm -hmm. that actually blocks H1N1 more wow. effectively than, than a xylitol does. That's that much maligned so, uh, sweetener that uh, has now been accused of increasing the risk of cardiovascular disease. But I wrote a, a pretty... Uh, uh, stinging rebuke to that theory, because in my opinion, uh, you'd have to consume enormous amounts of erythritol and be at high risk for cardiovascular disease to have a problem with it. So, yeah, that's just parenthetically. And and the amount that you would use in a nasal spring is trivial. such a tiny amount that it would, uh, yeah, it's it'd be less than trivial. Exactly. But, you know, it, it's just interesting that our pharmaceutical companies and our government and our tax dollars are out there funding research, trying to find something to block viruses and block bacteria from, you know, from adhering. But yet they already have these simple sugars that cost pennies. Yeah. Well, you know, compared to and the they cost still of want to go out and remdesivir, Paxlovid, yeah. and so on, 
that have uh, you know pretty devastating side effects and uh, limited efficacy, uh, we could be doing a lot better. And in that subject, uh, I want to pause because we our listeners know we divide our podcast into two parts. I want to tease to part two, because in part two, we'll talk a little bit about uh, your travails, because uh, you've taken a very courageous stand uh, in trying to get the word out uh, in the face of uh, withering opposition by our own government. The very government that we pay taxes to is now uh, funding uh, a uh, program to suppress some of this important information Uh, that I think is a story in and of itself, and we'll tackle it in part two. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Our guest uh, is Nate Jones. Uh, Nate is uh, a global leader in creating natural, convenient xylitol-based sinus and oral care products that support a healthy lifestyle. And uh, Nate uh, is going to tell us about what's happening on the political front. And, you know, just a heads up, uh, if you're interested in finding out about these products, uh, the place to go is xleaarclear.com. Uh, is that the correct uh, place where people can find out? Yes. And if they want to go to the studies and see all the research, we put it all on our webpage. We don't want to hide anything. And it's right there at xleaar.com forward slash science. And you can go there and read through them and, and click through to see where they're at in the journals that they're published in. Okay. Well, we're going to find out more about uh, what's happening on that uh, information front when we return. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.